Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about a battle over truth, the Christmas parade killer and our justice system, COVID, ivermectin, and NIH threats, and Thanksgiving. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You know, as the holiday season is coming up, it just is such a wonderful time of year. Thanksgiving is a couple days away, Christmas is coming up, Hanukkah, all sorts of important holidays for many Americans. And somehow, especially Thanksgiving, makes me think about America and patriotism and so much about American history. And I'm gonna talk at the end a little bit about Thanksgiving. But in this first five, I just wanna get, talk a little bit about the idea of how divided America seems and, and how, you know, just deeply troubling the current events in America are to many, many people. And I want to talk about why it's happening, and I want to talk about what I think is true, all in five minutes. But to start with, just on a whole range of issues, how people saw the Kyle Rittenhouse events, uh, and then the trial, and then the outcome of the trial. It seems like there's wild division about that, that he really was a white supremacist or something, uh, even though his victims were white and got away with it. Uh, there's the whole global climate change or, or, you know, the whole agenda that the left has with respect to climate change is going to be coming out very soon. If Build Back Better ever gets through, you will never recognize America again, what they'll do based on climate change. Uh, huge disagreements about what's justified in terms of protecting our environment. Huge disagreements over the pandemic, over COVID. And I don't like calling it a pandemic anymore because as many doctors on my show and others have said, it, it, the pandemic's been over a long time. But COVID policy, whether or not we should have COVID passports that give you permission to leave your home or not, whether or not we have to have vaccine mandates, whether or not you ought to be deprived of your right to work, travel, and go to public places without getting a vaccine. Racial issues seeming to be dividing us. Gender issues, all sorts of allegations of just a massive explosion of transgenderism. Uh, and, and the way society deals with the, those issues. Uh, free speech, whether you're allowed to say what you want to say or should be shut down. Uh, free speech, a massive, massive problem with that. Uh, cancel culture, we just, just a, a massive division. Some people seemingly glad that those they disagree with are shut down and, and canceled. And January 6th and what happened in the Capitol, what's going to be moving forward as uh, new investigations are occurring with the January 6th Commission. And I want to just say, I know that this show, every day and every week, I cover big issues. I cover the issues shaping America. But my point in this first five, one of my several points, number one is that on all of these issues, truth and facts exist. We get so drawn in in our country hearing about, well, one side thinks this and one side thinks this, that we actually can lose track of the reality that truth does exist. Facts exist. And in many, many issues, in fact, I would say uh, in, in almost every issue, 
the people who are advocating to preserve America, the people who are trying to stand up for America, they are right on the facts. And the people who are working to drive America over the cliff to Marxism and socialism are wrong. But facts exist, truth exists. And then number two is, it is so important in this time uh, to really think about you know, because what, what the media will do is try to say to you, well, you know, we're a 50-50 country, half think this, half think that. And I've said it on many issues, no, we're not. We're not close to a 50-50 country. We are not close to that. The vast majority of Americans are outraged by what the Biden administration is doing to this country on the border, on pandemic and COVID policy, on international policy, on climate change, on free speech, on spending. The vast majority of Americans do not agree with what is occurring in Washington. America is more like a, I always say, 65-35, maybe even 70-30. We do not have a 50-50 country where half the nation actually believes we live in a society that is institutionally racist, that is just filled with, with evil and race and hate. It is not true. The vast majority of Americans know perfectly well we live in an extremely noble country full of noble and good people. They know this, and so do not buy into the narrative just because you hear both sides being argued by the media, or you hear left-wing ideas, you know, just kind of throw, you know, shove down our throats. That that there's a majority who think that not true. And the last thing I want to say in the first five, this whole idea that truth exists and truth matters, and we're in a battle over defining that truth, is that it's incumbent on people who love America, who love freedom, who love the founding ideas who want to hold on to America, the great, unique, and extraordinary, it's really important to understand the agenda of the left. Why are they doing what they are doing? And there was a great clip. I actually just added it to the links I sent to Mr. Becker before I left for home. Um, and I want to tell you, there's a, a sports commentator, Jason Whitlock, and I'm sure he's a brilliant sports commentator. I couldn't even tell you what sport he commentates. but. He's also, even more than a sports commentator, a brilliant analyst, a brilliant observer of America. And he has some comments to make on Tucker Carlson's show related to the verdict, the, the Rittenhouse case, the whole episode surrounding what happened uh, in, the, uh, in Kenosha and the Rittenhouse trial. And I wanted to have that wrap up today's first five play, what Jason Whitlock had to say. Just throw it to him and he always surprises us in a good way. He joins us now. He's, of course, the host of Fearless. Jason Whitlock, great to see you. What do you make of this? Tucker, I think that what we've just seen from those 12 jurors is courage that we needed. It's inspirational to all of us as men and women. It took real courage for them to do this. And, and I just want to try to add this take, if I could say one thing while I'm here, because you've been having this conversation. Why is everything being couched as race? Yeah. This is a calculated strategy to disarm America, to go after the guns, and to eventually rewrite the Constitution. They're trying to define America as a failure, and its number one failure is along the lines of race. And if they can convince enough of the American public that this country is irredeemably racist, they now have a justification to rewrite the Constitution, start this thing all over, and make us more like China. That's the end game. This is not an accident that from Joe Biden on down, who says that white supremacy is the biggest threat to America, all the way down to Rachel Maddow, AKA Joy Reid, 
constantly talking race, 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 race. This is a strategy that's been quite effective. It hides the agenda. They've convinced black people that Planned Parenthood and aborting your babies is the greatest thing you can do. And anybody that tells you different is a racist. When we know that Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger, they're the racist and that the destruction of black babies in the womb, that is the racist activity. Everything, it's like, they t the bigger the lie they tell, it's like the more we believe. We yes. need to recognize they're lying to us intentionally with a defined goal of rewriting the Constitution and taking guns away and sovereignty away from the American people. God, that's Here's so, my take, so you know, we need to cut that off. Jason Whitlock for president. I'm serious. That was the best summary. It's like I, I'm thinking, I should have said that myself. That is the best summary. Please see everything the left does, the left-wing media in the country does. Everything is exactly what he just said. Completely brilliant. You are, do not join, do not get played by the left, do not get drawn down. I always say, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. Don't get drawn down their trees and argument on issue, issue, issue. Recognize the left always has an agenda. It certainly is a taking away of all firearms from private citizens, but much bigger than that, it is to convince the American people that this, this great experiment in human liberty, which is America under our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, the agenda is to convince the American people that America is a failure and the Constitution is a failure, and they, the Marxists who simply want to control every aspect of your lives, are the only ones who can fix it. They are creating this chaos on purpose. God bless Jason Whitlock for saying that. And I, I could not, just cannot commend that little speech strongly enough and, and just say, you know, I, I feel like, as I say, I wish I said that myself. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. And remember, truth exists. Okay, so on the subject of this Christmas parade killer, you know, we talked about um, it, I think, a couple of days this week. But I want to get at, you know, this idea of, of how we got here. And, and I first just want to, this, I'm talking about the guy in, uh, and I'm not sure if I pronounce the name of the town, but Washeka, Washika, whatever, Wisconsin. Uh, I think it's a Waukesha. Waukesha, okay, there's my happy Mr. Becker. Okay, Waukesha, we'll take that. I'll take that answer. Anyway, the point is, this is the guy who drove his vehicle into a Christmas parade. This is people out in the streets having a, I'm sure, a traditional Christmas parade. And they had the dancing grannies and these older ladies dancing around. They had kids. They had Santa Clauses. They had candy. I mean, it was a parade, Americana Central. So this guy drove his vehicle through just right into the parade, um, Daryl Brooks, and he ended up uh, killing at least five people. Uh, there are two other children in critical condition, 40-plus people still in the hospital. I mean, a massive terror attack. And I just want to step back for a moment and say, I'm going to get into a lot about, about Daryl Brooks today, but I want to make one real point at the beginning. It ties into what Jason Whitlock was saying and about what I'm saying. Everything you're watching is an agenda from the left. Just stop and think about this. Kyle Rittenhouse is a white guy who killed, who shot at and killed two people, injured one, who were all white. So he in self-defense, a white guy with no record of white supremacism whatsoever in his entire life, shot three people in self-defense, turned himself in, like raced to the police to turn himself in and, and say what happened. And he, in the media narrative, continues to be called a white supremacist, even though he's white, victims are white. 
And then you have Daryl Brooks, a career criminal. We're going to play a little clip in a moment about what a degree, how what a career criminal he was. Daryl Brooks, a black American who had a long criminal record. He's a career criminal, and he had a rap uh, channel because uh, he did. He liked to do rap music, and called himself the black supremacist. He called himself that. In fact, I sent that. There you go. This is, now they've taken his music down um, because it probably had lyrics that make him sound as bad as he is, but that was his, his uh, name. He gave himself Math, Math Boy Fly, but look at the bottom. Daryl E. Brooks, a.k.a. Math Boy Fly, black supremacist. That's what he called himself. That's his YouTube channel. So Daryl Brooks, a black guy who drove into a parade of white people and killed people, and the media is not only latching, is just not talking about black supremacists, but the actual police department, the police department in Waukesha, who has to deal with this case, they have had several press conferences, but they announced at a press conference recently, and I got to figure out which one this was. Um, this is clip three. If you can play clip three. For administrative purposes, uh, I'm Captain Dan Bauman. I'll be the PIO for the City of Waukesha Police Department. Uh, and everything that you guys see will be coming from our social media, which will be Facebook or Twitter, as well as the city's Facebook or Twitter. So any press releases moving forward will come via that, uh, those two mechanisms. Um, as of right now, there is no more scheduled press conferences that we're going to be planning out here today. Okay. If you couldn't follow what he's saying, let me just summarize. They're done talking. The Waukesha Police Department, who have this guy in custody, who called himself the black supremacist, who drove into a parade, a Christmas parade, they're just saying, I'm not talking about this anymore. They are going to make this story die. That's the goal. They're going to make this story die. They're going to take it out of the headlines. You'll see all your media sources who've been doing the drumbeat of Kyle Rittenhouse since August of last year, who've been calling him names for no reason, calling white supremacists with no justification. This guy, it does not fit their narrative. It does not fit their racially divisive narrative. We're, you're not gonna hear about him again. They're just done talking about him. I don't mean just the Waukesha Police Department. I mean the media, that this guy, this ruined their whole story, ruined their whole, um, uh, ruined their whole presentation. And a similar thing on, on this whole, I mean, I, I want to hit the story contrasting the Christmas parade and the justice system. It's not just how the media treat these cases. You know, media piles on Kyle Rittenhouse, white supremacist. Again, nothing in his entire life to back that up. And I don't mean just the media. I mean President Biden. I mean members of Congress. I mean people in Hollywood. And they're outraged and they're offended and they're deeply concerned. You know, where's all that language, by the way? Biden said he was um, outraged and deeply concerned or something like that uh, after the verdict in the Rittenhouse case. Where, where's the outrage now about what this guy did? I mean, it, just, it doesn't fit their narrative, so we're not going to talk about it. But I also want to talk about the way the justice system treats these people in terms of their imprisonment, their incarceration. To start with, Daryl, the criminal, the, the Christmas, uh, get his paper back here, Daryl Brooks has a very, very long criminal record. And I don't mean that he's a shoplifter. I want to play for you um, something, yeah, his arrest record. This is a little bit long of a clip. I know it's a little bit long, but I want to encourage you to listen. This is who this guy is, and this is who they knew he was. I want you to ask uh, Mr. Becker to play this clip. This is clip one. 
And what the police chief there, uh, Chief Thompson, tried to do was really separate fact from fiction, saying we know there's been a lot of speculation out there. So it came down to a couple things he wanted to stress. There was no evidence of terror here. He did. Yeah, that's not the right thing. I'm sorry. Um, there's one thing that was a YouTube, and maybe I sent him the wrong thing. Let me just run through. Daryl Brooks had been arrested over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I mean, like, uh, you know, violent things. He, and every time he was arrested, and this is a black defendant, every time he's arrested, very short um, uh, incarceration, endlessly gets let out on, with bail, with a very, very uh, low amount of bail. In fact, when they tried to uh, put a higher amount of bail, and again, I'm not talking shoplifting, I'm talking violent things that he committed, um, including very recently, before this mass murder he committed, he tried using the same red truck to run over his girlfriend or woman friend who was a mother of one, at least one of his children. He has numerous babies with different people. He tried to run her over with the same truck. Doesn't even get held for that kind of crime. He's back out on the streets and able to commit this kind of, this kind of atrocity. So I just want you to think about He's a guy who has a, in fact, you know what, let me try something else. I, I think I probably sent you the right clip, but maybe I started it too soon. Um, Mr. Becker, I don't know if we can just try that again. Fast forward to like 30 seconds and see if we get to this litany of what his crimes were. Yeah, I think I found that uh, in the okay. point, so here we go. That includes everything from drugs and guns to strangulation and battery. He's fathered children with at least three different women, a fact that will become relevant in just a moment. In 2011, he tried to flee from Milwaukee police, and an officer wrote in his report that he felt Brooks was trying to run him over with his car. This is 10 years ago. The officer jumped into the car, wrestled the wheel away from Brooks, who then ran away on foot and was arrested. He was charged with a misdemeanor. But it's what happened in just the past two years that already has the Milwaukee County DA calling for changes in the county's pre-trial release system. It was July of 2020, four months into the pandemic, when Brooks allegedly got into an argument with his nephew and he fired a gun at him. This is at a house on North 19th Street. It's a gun Brooks shouldn't have even had because he's a felon. He was arrested for that incident, charged with multiple felonies, ordered not to have contact with his nephew, his mother, who lives and owns the house, and others. Bail was set at $10,000. But seven months later, in February of this year, a judge reduced that bail to just $500. A man named Isaiah Davis, who we were not able to get a hold of on deadline today, posted bail. Brooks was released at that time. This is again in February of this year. He was placed on what's known as intensive pretrial supervision through Justice Point. But because of the pandemic, even level five intensive supervision requires no in-person contact, just phone appointments. One of the conditions of his release was that he commit no new crimes. Earlier this month, November 2nd, Brooks arrested again, this time for allegedly beating a woman with whom he shares a child. But get this, police say he also used his car to run the woman over, leaving her face bloody and tire tracks on her pants leg. The car he's accused of using to do it? A 2010 Maroon Ford Escape. The same vehicle, police say, was used in the parade massacre on Sunday. On November 10th, this is just a couple of weeks ago, Justice Point issued a violation notice to the court because of that new crime. Remember, he wasn't supposed to commit any crimes while he was out. But the very day after that violation report was issued, Veterans Day, again, this is 11 days ago now, Brooks posted $500 cash bail. Who paid for it? 
his mother, Dawn Woods, even though he's under a court order to have no contact with her. After that $500 bail was posted, court records in Waukesha show Brooks ended up in the Waukesha County Jail for a hearing on unpaid child support. During that hearing, this is last Tuesday, the state of Wisconsin asked a judge to throw him in jail even longer for being tens of thousands of dollars behind on paying child support to yet another mother with whom he shares a child. But instead, last Tuesday, November 16th, that judge released him on his own recognizance, setting a review hearing for next month. Five days later, after he was released from Waukesha, Brooks is now accused of driving that 2010 Ford Escape through the Waukesha Holiday Parade, killing five people, injuring dozens more, and traumatizing a community for years to come. In the newsroom, Brian Polson, Fox 6 Investigators. I got to tell you, folks, leftist policies kill people. It's, I, this, I'm telling you, America's waking up. I said in the beginning of the show, all these issues seem to divide us. And yes, there are people who advocate for these lunatic policies the left puts out. But I'm telling you, America's waking up. You just had the deaths of five people, including children, injuries to, to 40 plus more by a guy who should have been in jail for a long, a long time ago for a very long time. But we have allowed the leftist manipulation of our legal system, of the way we apply the law, get us to the point that a guy like that, in and out of jail, threatening people, actually hurting people, driving a car over people, is allowed free. This, um, this is not fly in America. And this is, this is coming from a place of the left of, it is in part an, an argument, there are many people on the left saying we need to have criminal justice reform based on race, but it's an even deeper thing that the left is trying to do to America. And that leads me to the prosecutor in this case, um, who was the, uh, who's a George Soros-backed prosecutor. And I want to make a point of why this matters so much. George Soros, you know, he's all about destroying America. He's all about destroying America the free. He wants to bring America and the whole world under his happy one world, big government, communist government. I mean, it is his, it's his agenda. It's absolutely his agenda. It's what he always wanted to do. This is Milwaukee County District Attorney John Chisholm. Chisholm, and this is a guy, I want to say what George Soros did. When George Soros looks at ways to take down America, obviously he can support a president like Obama or Biden or Clinton. He can support left-wing presidents. But in his mission, his mission to absolutely destroy America, which is what George Soros' mission is, he went for the lower level offices, watching how, calculating how those offices could lead also to the destruction of this country. So he got behind backing district attorney candidates, people running for office all over this country, who would go along with his left wing, no law and order, no justice system, no consequences for your bad actions, deliberately creating tumult in the communities where these district attorneys win. So they win office, they get in place, and their agenda is not to keep the people safe, to apply the law evenly, to apply it, to follow the justice system requirements for indictments and prosecutions. It is a political anti-American Marxist agenda. That is what all the George Soros district attorneys do and have done. And this guy, this one in Milwaukee County, was indeed a George Soros funded person. But I want to read you something he said, because this matters a lot. The guy's name is John Chisholm, and he was very um, 
proud of himself, openly saying, yeah, I'm one of the new progressive DAs. I'm going to bring change to district attorney's office. I'm bringing change to the justice system in America. So basically, you know, he's all about not holding people accountable for their conduct. He's all about giving people bail and release when they are clearly a threat to the community. The idea this guy could even be on the streets after trying, after assaulting his whatever she is, girlfriend, uh, mother of his child, and trying to run a car, running a car over her, he's still out. This is the product of a district attorney who is not trying to keep the community safe. He's not trying to, uh, you know, to have a blind justice like he's supposed to do. He's on a, a mission. But it's really important for just listen to what this guy had to say. In this interview, he was interviewed um, in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel the year he was elected. And he talked a lot about, I want to clean out the jails. I don't want people in jail. You know, let them free. Uh, he didn't really use that language. That's my characterization. But he was asked, this is an exact question he was asked, is there going to be an individual I divert? This is him speaking. Is there going to be an individual I divert? I mean, use a, use a diversion program and not make him go to con have consequences for his actions? Or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. How true his words were. And so now this guy, I mean, a little bit of flack from the media. And so now he's saying, well, you know, it might have made a mistake in this case. You know, they've all of a sudden announced they're reviewing their procedures and trying to figure out how a guy like this got out in the streets. But, I, but the good news of this, I mean, it's horrible for the families and horrible for the Waukesha community and horrible for all of them, the people dealing with this. But a little silver lining is that voters are waking up around this country and recognizing that leftist policies are going to destroy America, that people actually do not want to have the chaos and tumult that are being created. And we've talked in the show other times about cases where, uh, and they do it across in many jurisdictions in this country, where they have people arrested. You know, just a little bit of assault, just kind of push someone around in the subway, but didn't kill them or anything. You know, and they're out again 24 hours and they're, they're beating up somebody else. This whole absurdity of leftist justice system and this whole absurdity of somehow we're gonna reform the justice system by not holding people accountable for their actions. America's waking up. They don't want this, this incident. And this is why I tell you, not just the Waukesha Police Department, the entire media apparatus in this country is going to bury this story as of now. Done talking about it, done considering the consequences, done contemplating whether or not they should have done something sooner because it doesn't fit their narrative. They, are, they have put out a statement. We're reviewing, we really can't figure out uh, why this happened. I want to mention one other thing about uh, conditions and the way people are treated. And I'm getting at, to have a justice system in this country, to have the blind justice, equal justice for all, you're one of the hallmarks of American civilization, is that you more or less expect people to be treated the same way. I mean, you're supposed to, you can't guarantee every single accused person in every state is going to get exactly the same treatment. But the concept is there's not supposed to be a political motivation behind the decision of prosecutors to prosecute. There's not supposed to be a political motivation behind the judge's rulings in a case, but behind the sentencing decisions that are made. You're supposed to remove politics 
remove political ideology from the entire justice system and just have the justice system focused on law and order, on enforcing the laws in the country and holding everyone to the same standards. That's what the justice system is supposed to be about. And this is the, what more and more people are waking up to is that the American left has so contorted our justice system, is using our justice system for political motivation and this is not sitting well with the American people. I'm not going to go in today on the January 6th incident uh, and the prosecutions happening then and the new subpoenas that are going out. That's going to be saved for another t uh, show. But people watch what's happening on January 6th and they're thinking, uh, watch you know, what's happening, how people are treated, and thinking, you know, this seems very, very political. I mean, this is, you know, we had almost no prosecutions the entire year of 2020 as Black Lives Matter and Antifa burned down the country, burned down the cities, stole things, smashed windows, you know, destroyed property of innocent people. But we have January 6th and we have a laser focus on every single person who even bought a plane ticket to go to Washington that day. But I want to, as other examples of how extreme the bias has become, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, the, the, vic, the, just, the, the left could not wait to destroy him. They tried very hard before the trial. They tried to have a trial before the trial. They tried to try him in the court of public opinion, label him a white supremacist, put in every news article imaginable, coming out of the mouths of all the ruling elite, calling him white supremacist. And so while he's waiting in jail for his trial, so he's in jail, and he was actually interviewed on Tucker Carlson's show, and Tucker um, was asking him at some point about the conditions, and he actually said, Kyle Rittenhouse said, sitting in jail, he did not have running water, did not have running water in his cell from October 31st until November 20th. October 31st to November 20th. He said not only, of course, did he smell really bad, but he, when he finally got to take a shower, his skin was bleeding. He was actually describing, I, I, you know, I can't imagine, I didn't even know this happens, but without a very long period without a shower, I guess your skin's drying out, I guess that's what's happening. But they actually had him in a cell, which was, you know, very, very minimal. And I'm not into saying he should have stayed at the Ritz, but this is a kid who, if any honest prosecutor had looked at the facts before the trial, they would never even have charged him. And I'm telling you, lawyers around the country are saying this. Prosecutors are saying this. You would never charge him around the country based on these facts. But he did get charged because the left is politicizing our legal system. And it is, it, it is so dangerous. If we start to say as a country that whether or not you're prosecuted, how you're treated in your jails, in your conditions in the jail, same thing's happening, by the way, the political motivation and how the January 6th defendants are being treated. Many, many reports about people sitting in the jails who were inside the Capitol in Washington on January 6th who committed no crime except for maybe trespass, or they're actually calling it illegal parading. That's actually a charge. And they're sitting in solitary confinement, disgusting conditions, full of bugs. I mean, just, just uh, you would picture some third world country would do. Our government, America's government, is doing it to its own citizens because it's a political vendetta. This is what is why people are so concerned about the justice system in our country because it has become acceptable, it appears, to have 
the administration of justice, the imposition of your terms of your incarceration, dictated by whether the prosecutor is of the opposite political view, is targeting you because of your political views. The, the, people, this is a, a downfall of America. It happened with um, uh, Daryl Brooks, the guy who uh, drove his, uh, you know, allegedly drove his car into the parade. I mean, it's on video, but he drove his car into a parade, killed five completely innocent people. Um, and, and so he's basically, they could hardly keep him in jail long enough, in and out, in and out, in and out. So he's, you know, um, and, and mostly out and shouldn't have been out and then committed that crime. I just want to tell you something interesting of the January 6th uh, sentencing. We'll talk about uh, much more of the January 6th thing, not because I'm defending the wrongdoers, the people who actually committed crimes that day, who broke windows or broke anything else or engaged in you know, violent conduct, of course they should be charged. But the vast majority didn't do that. They weren't violent. They weren't breaking things. They were in fact, in many cases, as video is now showing, welcome in the Capitol. But the anger by the American left at the idea that these people dared to hold the opinion that they were questioning the 2020 election. That's what's really driving these prosecutions. That's what's driving the January 6th commission, the, the Liz Cheney-led absurd January 6th commission. It is the idea that our government, our current, you know, I can't even call them our elected government, Biden and team in Washington, they are taking the position Nobody is allowed to challenge their victory. No one's allowed to talk about it. And what is driving them nuts about the January 6th day was not so much the violence, and I know there was violence, and I'm, as I say, gotta prosecute those folks. It was that there were so many Americans who did not and do not believe that the outcome of the 2020 election was valid. They think there was election outcome changing fraud. That's what makes them mad. So one little tidbit about January 6th, and I want to turn very quickly. I do want to hit the ivermectin stuff too. And um, just on the subject of, you know, America's is not as divided as you think, but these are important things to know. So you know the guy, everybody's seen this guy's picture. Uh, he's a protester who they call, started calling him the QAnon shaman. And he, he wore this, you know, absurd outfit, had horns and, you know, make a color makeup on his face, wild hair. I mean, he looked like a crazy person. Anyway, so he was in the Capitol on January 6th. So he got sentenced recently. Um, and I guess I called him QAnon Shaman because I guess he quoted QAnon. To be very clear, I don't even know how, how you find QAnon. I've never read, listened to, watched, whatever it is you do about QAnon. I have no interest. I do not know what QAnon is or who he is. It is. But this guy does, apparently. He was a big QAnon guy. So this guy's name is Jacob Chansley. Jacob Chansley is the QAnon shaman with the horns and all that. So he was just sentenced recently to 41 months. 41 months for being in the Capitol on January 6th. The one charge he actually pled guilty to was obstruction of an official proceeding. Which, you know, there was an official proceeding going on, the January 6th, you know, Congress coming together to, uh, to follow up on the Electoral College vote. So that was the only thing he pled guilty to, obstruction of an official proceeding. Never charged, never charged with any violent act, not only that day, but ever in his whole life. He's never been, uh, never been charged with a violent act, has no criminal record, and he was inside the Capitol, dressed like a nut, but dressed like he was, and got 41 months 
in prison. That's over three years. 41 months in prison. I just want you to think about that. A guy who's, and actually I read about him a little bit. I mean, he, he has some kind of mental challenges. I'm not sure exactly what, if he's been diagnosed. I think he might have been. But in any case, there are people saying he actually needs psychiatric care more than he needs jail. All I'm getting at is, think of the contrast in our system. Daryl, our friend in, uh, in Wisconsin, Daryl can, you know, literally, in issue after issue, event after event, Daryl Brooks can commit crimes, commit violent crimes, drive his car over people, nothing happening to him so far. They, now they finally have to lock him up. And this guy, QAnon Shaman, gets 41 months for going in the Capitol and, and doing pretty much nothing. I, I just think what was happening, I think, and I don't know what I know is happening, What's happening is people are losing faith in the justice system. They see these kind of contrasts and they're like, are you kidding me? And, and why is it? And, and it is a lot to do with the left's, you know, criminal justice reform may have some good aspects to it. Maybe things that we should always be looking at the criminal justice system, making sure it's as fair as it can be, you know, reviewing uh, laws, whether we're punishing people for things too long. That's a different thing. There's, it's a different thing when you look at the law and you say, you know, we may, may need to make some reforms. What we're watching is bigoted implementation of the justice system. Politically bigoted, politically motivated, politically driven prosecution, politically driven jail conditions, politically driven, whether you get released out, back out in your own recognizance or not, driven by a political agenda, as I say, driven, funded by George Soros in great part, but the larger goal, of course, is to, is to just create chaos in our country, to break down the rule of law, and as Jason Whitlock said so brilliantly in the very first segment, the goal is to create so much chaos to convince people that America doesn't work, America, the Constitution, the whole system doesn't work, time to give up on it, and they, the Marxists who are pushing all of this, will happily take over your life. Okay, I do want to hit a couple quick things on COVID, ivermectin, and NIH. I have to tell you, you may know that my show was taken off of YouTube, and I, I can almost pin the time. I played a clip, this was on November 8th, I played a clip on my show of testimony by a medical doctor named Dr. Corey, K-O-R-Y, and he testified openly in the United States Senate, he testified about the fact, this is in December of 2020, so we're, you know, almost a year into COVID, and he testified at that Senate hearing that as soon as COVID came along, he and other doctors kind of jumped into action to figure out, are there any existing medications that we could repurpose to deal with COVID? Because, you know, right when it came along, Every emergency room in America, the advice out of the CDC and FDA, NIH, was as new, we don't have any medications to, to deal with this, no medications. If people came to the hospital, this was the actual advice of the federal government. That if you came to the hospital, you had COVID, unless you're like dying, you know, if you can still breathe and walk, they sent you home, say, you know, tough it out. No medication suggested, no prescription suggested. And when you got really, really bad, you're supposed to go back to the hospital and they put you on the ventilator, which led to many, many, many deaths. So this doctor is in Washington, Dr. Corey, talking, testifying under penalty of perjury, saying as soon as COVID came along, he and his other medical doctor allies 
looked into, well, could something help here? Something, he used the word repurpose existing medications. So his testimony that day was that they had actually tested ivermectin on COVID patients. Ivermectin, a long existing drug, and people you always used to, or people mock it, say, oh, it's a horse dewormer, but it actually had a human version of it even before COVID came along, a human uh, iteration of, the, of ivermectin that was used to treat some conditions in humans. And you know, for whatever reasons, and probably because they understand how disease works and how medication works, they tried ivermectin, and this guy's testimony with no motivation at all. He's not gonna make any money. There's no patent money to be made on ivermectin because the patent's long, you know, been around too long, it's lapsed, and so it's, there's no money to be made. He said, his words, ivermectin was a miracle treating COVID patients. That's what he said. So, so he says this, and, and this is, you know, this kind of shutting down of conversation, shutting down of free speech, that's the show I am nearly positive that caused YouTube to take my show, to take my show off, off of YouTube. Because I had a doctor who knew what he was talking about. Because the, what you're allowed to talk about with COVID is only what the left says you can talk about with COVID. And I, I looked it up today. I looked up, you know, COVID, CDC, ivermectin, advisory. That's what I Googled, something like that. And you got, this is something that just came out August 26th, so fairly recently. August 26th, again, CDC official health advisory, basically ivermectin can, should not be prescribed. There's no known benefit to, for prescribing ivermectin for COVID patients. This is, you know, eight months later. I mean, if you worked at CDC and you knew a doctor, and it wasn't just one doctor, it was a team of doctors this Dr. Corey was working with, wouldn't you want to say, hey, wait, wait, show us your research. This is great. I mean, wouldn't you? It really can get you very concerned that the mission of CDC and FDA was not to find remedies that worked. Some other mission was at work, such as pushing the vaccines. So CDC Health Advisory, as of August 26, still says, uh, you know, says basically no ivermectin should never should be prescribed for COVID. Uh, basically unknown. Um, it's, it's saying. Um, uh, not blah, 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 not authorized or approved by the FDA for prevention or treatment of COVID-19. Now I want to read you a letter because I've been talking about it on my show too. I've had doctors talking about ivermectin. I'll read you a letter I got from a listener. I'm not going to say her name. I cannot tell you, she, no, I'm sorry. I can't tell very many people this, but I know you want to hear stories about the truth. And I know from personal experience, ivermectin is a miracle cure for COVID-19. My fiance almost died in September after outpatient abdominal surgery where he contracted COVID-19 that went undetected for weeks, even after he was hospitalized for pulmonary embolisms in both lungs. So he's had surgery, abdominal surgery, contracts COVID, but doesn't know it yet. And so he's hospitalized for pulmonary embolisms in both lungs. Upon his second hospitalization for extreme fatigue, and cognitive decline, numerous test results revealed everything looked normal, she puts in quotes. After three days of wondering why he was dying, I asked if it could be COVID, and only then did they give him a COVID test, and of course, that's what it was. His doctor prescribed remdesivir, and which is the only approved treatment still now in the hospital, remdesivir, 
which is having a, has a terrible track record, a terrible track record. His doctor prescribed Rendisivir, and after one dose, one dose, they had to increase his oxygen level from three to six. So he's oxygen, the oxygenation of the blood is going down. He's not getting oxygen enough into his lungs to get into his circulation. She said, I knew the hospital's treatment plan was going to kill him. So I took ivermectin to him because I didn't have access to anything else. And after two doses, he went from incoherent, siding, sidling up to his deathbed to being discharged without oxygen or any need for at-home care. I just wanted to let you hear another story the mainstream media will never talk about or report. Thank you, Debbie. Please keep doing what you are doing because you are so right. We have to stand up and speak the truth and fight because America matters. So this is a real email I just got like two days ago. And I want to just, I, I really urge you to consider what is the actual reason that a doctor can testify in the Senate in December, offer his information, his study results, call ivermectin a miracle cure for COVID. I get notes like this. This woman wrote a really nice note. I get other notes all the time. You know, I use ivermectin, it worked great. And yet you have the CDC, it's not just saying, you know, we, we can't really confirm that it will do any good. It's a warning. It does no good, in fact, may even hurt you. That's what the CDC warning is saying. And I'm telling, what I really think, I, I, I know what I'm saying can sound like, you're pretty negative today. I'm not negative at all. I tell you, America is waking up. They're waking up to the racial agenda. They're waking up to the justice system abuse. They're waking up to this COVID, uh, this monstrosity coming from the federal government that is essentially telling people that, you know, you just have to get this vaccine. And I have another little vaccine story I want to tell you, similar to this, again, how people are waking up um, on, on the vaccines. So you ha we talked about the fact that this, uh, the Biden administration issued this, uh, you know, mandate that all employers of the 100 or more employees had to have, had to mandate that there was a, they, their employees were vaccinated and if they weren't, they had to have a test once a week and they had to work separately, all this. They're trying to force a vaccine mandate on employers. And there was litigation brought. Employers said, we don't want your vaccine mandate. We don't want it. Please, please, you know, go away. And there was actually a very strong ruling, first by a small panel and then by the entire panel of a federal circuit court of appeals calling the Biden administration's COVID mandate, COVID vaccine mandate, a, I mean, in very strong terms, I didn't print the language out, but again today, but very strong terms, dangerous, of a great concern, very strong, strongly questionable constitutionality. The court is basically saying to Biden, you can't do this. You can't force a substance into the American people they don't want. You can't do it through a vaccine mandate to employers. You have no authority to do this. As, by the way, Governor DeSantis has been saying in Florida, the federal government has no authority to do this. So we have all sorts of bad data about the impact of vaccines, of the COVID vaccines. We have you know, many more deaths than have ever occurred from any other vaccine in this country. We have people resisting. And we have a court saying, you know, uh, Biden, you don't really have any right to do this. 
I, I mean, they, they were practically telling him in the initial ruling that the uh, order enjoining him from forcing, putting that order in place, uh, telling him, you can't do this. You're out of line. And I got to tell you, so Biden is, by the way, on to, um, he's now because he's, you know, not going to listen to the court, he's asked the court to unlock the Biden vaccine mandate. He, Biden is going back to the court after they just ruled on a temporary basis. He's saying, because they rule as a temporary restraining order, then right now they're enjoined, there's an injunction until the case proceeds. And so right now the law stands coming out of the federal court to Biden, you can't do this, you can't do this. His answer, he's filed to say, please let me do this. The Biden White House, the Justice Department, is pushing to say, while you're thinking about whether we can force this vaccine on people, um, actually the language someone just texted me, grave statutory and constitutional issues, grave statutory and constitutional issues is what the language the court said. And Biden's right back saying, no, 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 please let us do it. We want to, please let us force this vaccine on people. So at the same time, Biden's doing that. The head of the NIH, who is Dr. Fran Director Francis Collins, recently came out with a statement saying that he thinks that there is a serious problem of people spreading misinformation about COVID-19 online. And he actually said they should be brought to justice. He's complaining that other people like doctors in the thousands now in America, in the thousands are coming out and saying, this whole vaccine mandate is crazy. These vaccines are not good for people. There's danger from these vaccines. This guy, the head of NIH, who has so far in his life treated exactly zero COVID patients, he's a researcher, he's a bureaucrat. He won't listen to the doctors who are giving him facts. He won't listen, and he's now saying people who question the vaccines, online misinformation, and, so, and he's very upset because people are sending angry messages to Dr. Fauci, his buddy. So he's actually calling for his language. He wants these people brought to justice. And he's actually talking about there's a bill pending, the online safety bill, flagship legislation to combat abuse and hatred on the Internet. And it actually will have a provision that jails, a provision if this bill were to pass, a provision that jails anti-vaxxers spreading false information that they know to be untrue, and they'd have to go to jail for two years. Now I want to contrast that with the mounds of data out there by researchers of all kinds. And I should tell you, by the way, some doctor I had on my show um, ended up adding me to a list. It's a, it's a, um, a daily and sometimes multiple time daily list of all sorts of COVID research, COVID-related treatments, vaccine-related treatments. I mean, just it's a massive, I mean, I, I can't get through one email and the next one comes in. They're, they're extremely detailed. But I'm t there are doctors all over the world who are saying wonderful results of ivermectin, wonderful results with inhaled budesonide, wonderful results um, with, hybrid, with um, hydroxychloroquine, danger flowing from these vaccines, all sorts of reactions, very dangerous reactions. And yet you have the head of the NIH, I mean, I really ask you to ask yourself, why wouldn't he want to know why these doctors are questioning the vaccine? And last thing on this point, and I do actually think, in fact, you know what, the full circuit court of appeals, let me add to that, 
This is, again, Biden trying to get the court to overrule itself and let him go ahead with the vaccine mandate. The full Fifth Circuit panel said the mandates are fatally flawed, fatally flawed. That's a clue. They're going to not allow it and staggeringly overbroad. And yet Biden's right back there. Let me have these vaccines. One last thing on this, and and, um, I just can't urge you strongly enough. In fact, this is at our website. I'm pretty sure I put this one up. At our website, americacanwetalk.org. Dr. Peter McCullough, truly nationally recognized expert on, he's been treating COVID patients. He's been monitoring the research. He's been an activist. He's actually coming out and saying COVID-19 vaccine induced disease is emerging as a leading public health threat. Please grasp what he's saying. Diseases caused by the COVID-19 vaccine. Those diseases are now emerging as a public health threat. I mean, we live in this you know, alternative universe. You got NIH saying no one could even say anything's wrong with the vaccines. And you have actual doctors treating patients, talking about treatments at work, talking about the dangers of the vaccines, questioning why we're even pushing the vaccine given for most people there's a 99% recovery rate, that we have many, many efficacious medications that would be just fine to treat virtually everybody. And yet this vaccine mania, vaccine force on people, whether they want it or not, continues. And I tell you, people, I mean, it's a scary time, but it's also a time I think the American people are waking up and recognizing what tyranny looks like. What they're doing with the COVID vaccine mandates and what Biden's trying to do is waking people up and helping them recognize what tyranny actually looks like. Just like in Austria now, where they now have lockdowns for people who will not, um, who haven't gotten vaccinated. In Austria, you're not allowed to leave your house if you haven't gotten the vaccine. Okay, I do want to turn and talk about Thanksgiving uh, and I have very little time left. I want to do a quick plug for my pillow. Before I get to Thanksgiving, I'll tell you this, over the Thanksgiving break, you are no doubt going to have time, and most people start thinking about Christmas and gifts. Now, maybe you're one of those people that brought your Christmas gifts in July, I don't know, but most people spend time over Thanksgiving thinking through gifts. I wanna urge you to think about giving us Christmas gifts this year, high quality gifts from MyPillow.com that will be actually used and appreciated by your family and friends, robes and slippers and pajamas and towels and sheets and these are items you can order online you don't have to go to the mall and you can go to mypillow.com right there mypillow.com and see the very bottom of that flyer use promo code debbie g what happens is you find all your christmas gifts on the website mypillow.com put in the promo code debbie g you get up to 66 percent off up to 66% off, depends on which product it is. It gets shipped to your home. You get great prices. I can guarantee you because my husband and I buy them, great products, and I get a small uh, percentage. So everybody wins. Everybody wins. And the other, beside that, you're, you're helping my pillow, Mike Lindell, who's been in the fight for election integrity. You're getting great quality gifts and you're helping this show to support this show uh, because I get a small percentage of what you do. But on top of that, you're helping to push back against this monolithic leftist freight train that is bullying its way, bulldozing its way across America. 
and shutting down anyone who doesn't agree with them. Mike Lindell being one of them, his products are removed from the major department stores, removed from the, uh, the big warehouse stores because he dares to speak up. Leftist bullies have chosen MyPillow.com as one of their main targets as a company they want to shut down and take down because they don't like that Mike Lindell is brave enough to speak up about election fraud when nobody else is. So please, please consider uh, if you donate to the show, that's also wonderful. You can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, hit the donate button. I'd love if you donate. Love if you join on the homepage under members. You click on that members tab at the top and up it'll come. You can join. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter, americacanwetalk.org. I urge you to do that. It's a once a week newsletter and it's about, it's undergoing some big transitions. It's going to be a really new, uh, newly formatted newsletter very soon. But in the meantime, as links to everything we talk about and do in this show, it's a way to stay connected. It's a way to share this show. If you get my newsletter, you can forward it to everybody you want and say, hey, this is the show I like. Okay, I got to close up because Thanksgiving is now this week. It's two days away. I want to hit two things on Thanksgiving. Number one, we posted at our website um, the Thanksgiving Proclamation of 1789 by George Washington. If I had a lot of time, it's a little bit long to read. I can't do that. But it is so moving and so poignant and it makes so very clear America was founded on love for and trust in and gratitude to God. His entire presentation of Thanksgiving is a notion, in fact, he starts out by saying, it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. This is how George Washington saw America, and it was a great way to see it. And then secondly, I also have linked on our website the true story of Thanksgiving. This is a Rush Limbaugh thing he used to send out. But the gist of what he talks about is there was, or have been many attempts since uh, in recent times when the left has, has had America under attack, you know, every day, all day, everything's wrong with America. He goes through and talks about some of the deeper things that happened, and it's a, a little bit lengthy, I can't read it uh, today, but he talks about some of the things that happened as the, as the America's uh, very, very first pilgrims came over here, how they tried, they didn't even know to call it socialism, but they tried having a farming plot uh, equally owned by the community, and everybody's supposed to pitch in and farm and plant seeds and take care of the crops, and then help you know at the end of the season harvest them, and the simple fact was, um, as you might imagine, in any socialist utopia, it's never utopia, nobody would work, and they practically starved. And then they discovered, actually, that they had to go with the idea, you know, he who works gets to eat. And all of a sudden, they had people working hard because they recognized that they had to work to get food to eat. They learned the lesson long before Karl Marx even came along, that socialism has failed. Uh, and will always fail and is failing in the world today. So I urge you to read that story. Lots more to it, but I'm out of time for today. I want to wish every one of you a just wonderful Thanksgiving. One more point before I get to why it matters to you. I have friends who are going to have Thanksgiving without their whole families this year, often for the first time. I have friends who are not going to be joining their adult children because the children, they have a difference of viewpoint on vaccination. I have friends who aren't gonna be with the whole family because there's a family schism over politics and there's just, you know, whatever's, I mean, this is a, a very intense time in America. And, and so I wanna wish you 
all of you a beautiful Thanksgiving, whether it's with a small group, a big group, whoever it is, a Thanksgiving dedicated to the real purpose of Thanksgiving, which is thanking God for his, uh, for this country, for his generous, bountiful care for us, for his protection of our country, dedicate a day just, I love Thanksgiving, it's my favorite holiday, because it's not about buying gifts and scurrying around, and it's just about loving America, loving God, thanking God for America, celebrating with your family and loved ones, so whether you have a small group or large group, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I also want to encourage you to think, even if this, th this year Thanksgiving is a little rough, as is for some families, because there are some differences, I really think, back at the very beginning of the show today, truth prevails, truth will win, truth will come out, families will reunite, families will come back together. This, there are great schisms in our country, but I, do, I will never accept the idea that they have to be permanent. We're in a very tumultuous time in our country. It's a time when patriots are speaking up to save this country, and it's a time when, unfortunately, many don't even recognize America is in peril, and they don't understand why there is such a strong push to save America. But America, the idea, is a beautiful, profound, um, you know, unparalleled in human history idea. Thanksgiving very much symbolizes what America is all about. So I wish all of you a blessed, happy, delicious, restful, joyful Thanksgiving. And now we'll talk about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show, Battle Over Truth. Check out When Will America Reach Peak Insanity? It's an article in American Thinker, very good. You know, up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right, good is evil, evil is good. This seems to be America in 2021, but it's not America. It's a false portrayal. Americans are not as divided as the media wants you to think. And Americans are waking up, examples abound. Tucker and the Rittenhouse interview, People, if you did not listen to that interview, and especially if you couldn't listen to the trial, just listen to that interview. It's linked on our website. You walk away with, a, with, with the impression, what in the world was the media talking about, saying this kid was a white supremacist? He was a 17-year-old kid, I guess he's 18 now, not a raging white supremacist. COVID hysteria is fading. Millions have survived it, many treatments exist, and yet they still want to call it a pandemic and use it as a basis to seize power. And racist America, says the left, it just doesn't ring true to the vast majority of Americans, including Jason Whitlock. I'm so glad I had that clip to play. The core battle is an aggressive atheistic claim that there's no such thing as truth. Americans have been slow to wake up to this claim. They've been slow to see the magnitude of the implications of this claim. America was founded on self-evident truths. Truth will prevail. And on our Christmas parade killer in the justice system, um, Waukesha SUV driver murder is a self-professed black supremacist, what he calls himself, has an extensive rap sheet, including running over ex-girlfriend with whom he has a child in the same red SUV uh, he used at the, to attack the Christmas parade. He had been released on a $1,000 bail just before the parade. Compare the January 6th defendants. Shimam, how you say that, gets 41 months in prison, no prior criminal record, no record of violence of any kind, pled guilty to one count of obstructing a proceeding. Hundreds are still in confinement with no evidence of anything other than wrongful parading or trespassing. This, these disparate cases indicate a justice system completely perverted into the raw exercise of political power, a justice system which is fundamentally un-American and anti-American and must be cleaned out. And on COVID, ivermectin and NIH threats, 
and an American talk viewer wrote to say what I wrote what I read to you that knowledge of ivermectin via Dr. Corey's testimony as shown on this show but taken down from YouTube as well as my show saved her fiance's life Dr. Corey Senate testimony backed by significant studies and empirical data and you can still see it on our website americacanwetalk.org go back to the November 8th show Yet, America's NIH still refuses to acknowledge ivermectin and other efficacious COVID treatments. Biden wants the court to reinstitute mandatory vaccinations, even after they told him they are staggeringly overbroad, his mandates are fatally flawed. Dr. Peter McCullough says vaccine-induced disease is now a leading public health threat. Vaccine-created disease. This NIH behavior makes no sense, does not add up to good faith. Americans are increasingly distrustful of public health authorities. They sense the agenda is about control, not about health, and it is. And finally, on Thanksgiving, why it matters to you, it's a quintessential American holiday. George Washington and Rush Limbaugh understood its uniquely American heritage. It's about gratitude to God. So, happy Thanksgiving to all viewers and supporters of America Can We Talk, and I will see you on Monday at 3 p.m. Central Time, and, you know, I missed a show all last week, but I'm back on a roll. We'll, I'll see you next week, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time on America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America.